The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey. I am with the amazing and talented Sondra Bernstein. I thought I'd change up the intro a little bit. that one. (laughs) And we have Kathleen Hill sitting in with us today. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, how are you, Brian? I'm doing good. I've uh, I've got one of my neighbors that is going to be on today. Her name is Lacey Sandoval, and she is one of the best bakers in the country. But the more I looked into what she does, there's a lot more going on than just the baking. So I thought it would be interesting and fun to uh, have her on the show and uh, talk to her a little bit about what she does. Lacey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. We're so happy to have you here, especially with the toddler. I was going to say, if you hear some yes. some um, toddler noises, yes, it's because... Yes, you're on the show. Yeah, this is um, Caden's first radio appearance. It's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it's sorry. happening here. Yeah, I live. don't have any little baby headphones. No, no. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yeah, he's yeah. got good voice control, so it's all yeah. right. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> so cute. How old is he? He's three months. Oh, my goodness. He's a big three months, He's I think. He's very big. He came out really small and then got big. Thank goodness. Wow. Oh, good, good food. Mama's yeah. baker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're talking about you. What is that about, about a you? bun in the oven? Right. Uh. <laughs> this was the best thing I ever baked, I promise. Well, <laughs> his brother is a close Okay, this is your yeah. second? Yes. Okay, nice. Well, Lacey has Wind and Rye Kitchen, which I kept wanting to say Wind and Rye Bakery, but it's Wind and Rye Kitchen. I think that probably has to do with the fact that there's more going on there than baking, correct? Correct. Yep. It started off um, with the concept of just being um, a place to bake, but then it quickly evolved into many other things as well. All kitchen related, though. So, yeah. But may I ask a question? Yeah. Because a lot of consumers are wondering how food people come up with names of their businesses. So what's the... root of wind and rye well i'm so glad you asked (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i grew up in south dakota and surrounded by um grain fields and one of my fondest memories of growing up is these huge um, blue skies with white clouds and um, golden fields of different grains Um, and so when I moved out here kind of the thing and the impetus behind creating Wind and Rye was to create a space that was all about food and community and um, a lot of that was inspired by the place that I grew up um, and searching for this like feeling of home again um so that's where wind and rye came from so the and the, it kind of triggers guys. that memory for you yes. whenever you say it I yeah suppose. it sure yeah. does yeah great wonderful thank you yeah i feel like uh wizard of odd dorothy-esque yeah that's what i just visualized yes, exactly okay. yes okay. before the twister comes hopefully. right exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the light wind the gentle yeah. wind yes uh, yeah. so how did and how did you get into cooking and and double question here cooking and baking which uh, we've talked about before um, cooks and bakers are usually two different types of people Um, I think John Ash was the one that said if you get you get them all into a room they end up on different sides of the room I believe Uh, that yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so what is you what is it you think about your childhood that drew you to culinary and or baking Um, well I like to 
I like to think that I bake like a cook. Um, and I grew up, actually, a lot of people will initially ask if, um, if my mom taught me to cook, but she did not. Um, her mom was a baker, and both, uh, and my father is, is an excellent cook. Um, oh. And so. Lucky you. I, I know. I am very, very fortunate. And um, I took the longest way possible to becoming a baker. Um, <laughs> I left school school in South Dakota and came oh. to Oakland to go to art school, actually. How oh. um, oh, common theme. Uh, it is a common yeah. theme. <laughs> a lot of us end up in food. Yes, can't because you quickly learn that you can't make a living. <laughs> yeah. So then we become food artists and also don't make a living. But at right. least we can cook. <laughs> right. We have a design sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I went to California College of the Arts and I studied metalsmithing there. Um, and wow. I was doing like sculptural metal work. Um, and met my husband, Travis Sandoval, who was doing glass art there. Um, and then I had the amazing opportunity um, to work while I was going to art school for um, Allison Baccarat, who owned Bake Sale Betty, um, which is, uh, she's a Chez Panisse alum who opened this hugely popular bakery slash um, fried chicken sandwich hub Ooh. in Oakland. She became quickly famous for her fried chicken and sandwiches. Still and still is. <laughs> yes, they're, they're so delicious. Um, How did you happen to connect with her? Um, I, I walked down the street from my dorm and said, I would love to work in a bakery. Can I work here? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, and, All right. Um, so it was she and I and um, two other young women and a young man who kind of like ran that kitchen until it became way too popular for the likes of us to handle. Um, and then I decided to go to culinary school. Just as I did that, the CIA at Greystone decided to offer their first accredited degree programs um, as opposed to having to go to the Hyde Park campus. Oh, great. In New York. Yeah, so I felt very fortunate that I didn't need to move across country. Um, and then I decided I wanted to do their culinary degree program as opposed to their um, baking certificate. So I learned all forms of cooking. Um, and then while I was going to school there, had another very fortunate um, opportunity to work under Nicole Plew at Red. Um, and she was nominated at the time for her James Beard Award um, and learned virtually everything I know about pastry from Nicole. And then we were required to do a, a six-month externship as part of our degree program and got to do that at Boulevard. Oh, um, wonderful. So I did pastries at Boulevard for a little over a year. Moved on to Jack Falstaff, which is a now no longer existent Plump Jack restaurant. Um, did breads and pastries for them and then um, I like to call my time at Camino like grad school so I um, <laughs> went to be the pastry chef at Camino in Oakland which totally transformed my view of um, cooking and inspired me to embrace all things local and strive for the hyper local hyper seasonal ingredient uh, mix that oh. is found there. So what what exa what happened at Camino? What was it that made that transformation? They trusted me to become their pastry chef, and their menu changes every single day. Russ is um, Russell Moore, also a Chez Panisse alum, ran um, ran the cafe for a number of years. He has just this 
incredible network of farmers and Bay Area purveyors who would show up at his restaurant door daily with the five best peaches of the week. And he would say, here, make something for dessert tonight with these five peaches. And they would be the most perfect peaches you've ever tasted in your life. I mean, unreal to the point where I felt like I could just put them on a plate and call them the dessert, you know, (laughs) Um, but he trusted myself and all of his line cooks actually to taste the ingredients, figure out what they wanted to highlight with them and make a dish based off of that. And I, I, um, a coworker actually said that it was like line co- or um, grad school for line cooks. And it totally is because it's just this opportunity to be so creative and um, find your own self and your sense of how your own culinary drive. Um, and yeah, so that was one of my most favorite places to work for sure. What's the time span of this whole progression? Very quick. <laughs> um, so I was in school for two years straight through there um, no summer break so it was like a four-year degree program condensed down to two years uh, worked for nicole for a year during that time worked for boulevard for a year and a half worked for at jack falstaff at simultaneously um and then was at camino for a year and then moved on to i helped um really briefly at uh, the boot and shoe um which was charlie howell's uh restaurant right down the street from Camino and then um, got into taste catering in San Francisco and was there for a little under five years as um, wow yeah and I got the opportunity to move up to be their executive pastry chef which um, she's she's a buddy of mine Le Dame de Scoffier the owner yeah Um, his name's escaping Janet Griggs or Mimi yeah yeah, Janet. Yeah, both of them yeah. are incredible. Yeah. And that was a really inspiring place as well because it's an um, an all-woman-run uh, company. And they are just pumping out food in quantities that are mind-boggling, but at a level of quality that is, you know, on par with a fine dining restaurant. And I just have to interject that Janet Griggs yeah. is the one who offered one of her taste catering trucks that brought the Sunset Magazines to Sonoma as Time Magazine was about to shred them. So they're here. Oh, wow. In storage. Yes. How cool. Yeah, very. (laughs) (laughs) And and she just offered her drivers and the truck and everything for a day and a half. Yeah, she, both she and Mimi have huge hearts. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Very good reputation, that company. Yes. Yeah. I would love to tour that sometime. They do things right. They just moved, um, I guess, two years ago to this fantastic facility in Millbrae now. So it's just outside of San Francisco. But um, yeah, the uh, it's a fantastic place to just go and, you know, be some eyes on the wall for a day. The stuff that they produce out of that kitchen is phenomenal. So for Wind and Rye, is is your primary source of income the wedding cakes um it was (laughs) and um i had the good fortune of continuing to do wedding cakes with taste Mm -hmm. um they hired a new pastry chef and he um focuses on all of their desserts for their events and then um they allow me to kind of continue doing wedding cakes for them which is great that's Mm -hmm. awesome it's so great um uh they you know they have clients that are uh aware of what good food costs and are willing to um you know support a all of the farmers that taste supports so it's um that's a great 
outlet for my for myself so I um, started just doing wedding cakes and then um as we created the space, it became apparent that people were interested in taking cooking classes. Um, and really up here, I mean, I know uh, Ramekins is like, you know, has been around for a long time and have excellent classes. Um, but we wanted to do something that was really small and really intimate um, and really focused on what Sonoma County has to offer. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of, you know, built a a different style of teaching classes based around that. How I, many students usually? Ten. Ten. We max oh, out at ten. Very nice. Yeah. And all hands-on? All hands-on. Um, each class is a little bit different. Right now, um, there's just three main instructors I teach, and then my good friend Daniel Keaton, who is the owner and chef at Backyard Restaurant in mm. Forestville. Nice guy. Yes. Um, and then my good friend Meredith Brown, who has sage and salt nutrition out of Petaluma. She's a mm. nutritional therapist. Um, so she co-teaches a few nutritional-based classes with me as well. Very fun. Yeah. That was something Maria and I did on our honeymoon in Italy is we took cooking classes and learned how to make gnocchi and tomato sauce. And um, it's one of those great memories that I have. And I think that's neat for people, not just people who live here, but people coming to visit wine country and, and take a little uh, cooking class. And you even do things for kids. I, yeah, when that I saw nice. that you're doing a little uh, making cookies and decorating cookies, my daughter's 10, so I think she's right at the edge of the cutoff point there, but I think she'd still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're doing a Valentine's um, treat class, and that one's coming up. We just, on this past Saturday, did a kids' cake decorating class, which is also so Very fun. It's fun. Um, mind-boggling to me how much these young kids can create if you just kind of step out of their way and let them play oh like master chef junior or whatever that tv show is with the kids <laughs> yes it's incredible oh my god who taught them how I, to they're do so this? serious oh, they they're are serious but they are amazing <laughs> it's like unbelievable yeah. yeah well i don't like the ones where they get voted off because I know, i've seen a couple of them that hard. they're so <laughs> hard to watch when the kid is just like crying oh, and you could tell it meant everything to them yeah. at that point in their life it's hard to watch adults get voted off right. things. <laughs> That's yeah. and, and with kids in classes you know sometimes we think of cooking as therapy and with kids in classes you see a whole lot after our fires that struck us in napa um i was helping with therapy at dunbar school and in the library, they had the kids who were the most vulnerable, and they had Play-Doh and other things for them to make food they liked that they might not have been getting. And so they decorated things with what they wished they with had. With Play-Doh? Wow. Yes. Oh. Yeah, cool. it was, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, but you've seen it, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, um, we actually... Uh, Opened Wind and Rye Kitchen on October 1st, oh. and um, the fires hit on October 8th and 9th and 10th, um, and we were evacuated. The fires came right down to um, basically really? our doorstep on Sonoma Mountain, um, and so we left at 4 in the morning, and I kissed my kitchen goodbye. I was pretty much sure that our home and this kitchen that I had just finished building um, was gone. 
I didn't realize it went that far over. The I Presley mean, I know Road fire was right. We couldn't tell because there was so much smoke. You it couldn't really tell where it was coming from. And so when you have embers, you have like ash on your lawn. You're thinking, okay, we got to go. Yeah. We packed right. up Abby and sent her to Santa Cruz to, um, to hang out with her grandmother. And, and, and I went and to hang out with you exactly. <laughs> over Thank here. Goodness. figured there was something to do. But yeah, we just didn't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was coming, uh, we're in this amazingly beautiful little pocket. It's like this little teeny valley at the base of uh, of Sonoma Mountain. And so the fires were coming from Glen Ellen and then also from the Bennett Valley area. So it was coming at us from two ways. Um, but to what you said about the children, my son, um, my older son, was three, well, about to be three at the time, and it was pretty intense for him. And he kept saying things like, um, are we going to be able to go home? Are we going to be able to eat the food out of our garden? Are oh. we going to be able to, you know, like he didn't know. We I mean, we lived out of our truck with our dog for a week. So it, it was pretty intense. But the classes, so we were scheduled to have classes, our first class that week. We obviously postponed them. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we opened, um, it was kind of this amazing form of therapy for all of the adult students right. who Community. came in. We had, um, I would say like a good 10 minute fire debrief at every <laughs> class. Everyone needed to share their story. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, chef Daniel shut down his restaurant for 14 days almost and cooked over right. 15,000 meals. Did and he do family meals in Santa Rosa? Or did he, Oh no, he, he did his own thing. Yep, I he think. was just That's out right. of his own kitchen. And yeah. so, uh, he and I, I, I went over there right away. Well, actually it was, um, I have a whole chest freezer full of meat and the first thing I thought of was I don't I don't want to lose that meat right, <laughs> so right. I said Dan I'm coming over with you know 100 pounds of meat that we're gonna cook and so um we started baking chili and everything across the board um and just he started pumping out meals and um yeah so anyway it was fun because a lot of people who were scheduled to take those classes knew about what chef dan had done and came and were just you know eternally grateful oh, we had fun. a couple come to one of our classes who she is a nurse at a triage unit and the husband um was a fireman and dan had fed both of them that week wow. at their work so wow. anyway yeah it was a, an incredible form of therapy and it just really yeah. um that's what we did. Yes, I yeah. know. It was yeah. like 50 chefs she had. Yeah. It was incredible. Was I mean, I was I still so grateful to have that. It just kept our mind off of like the reality of what was happening. Exactly. And yeah. um, it but it just really spoke to kind of what this mission for Win and Rye was for me was building a community around food and what food can do. And it really is like such catharsis for making and also for enjoying food and you know um, the people at these shelters mm. as opposed to getting a bag of Lay's potato chips right. we're getting home cooked chili and um, yeah. anyway bread. yeah, yeah. It, it was like quite literally birthed by fire for when in my kitchen but also like so such an affirmation of like okay yeah this is a legit thing yeah. and community and food are what it's all about yeah. So it was fun. So awesome. Yeah. So awesome. 
And are you doing pop-ups? I mean, you have a dinner plan for Valentine's, which looks yummy. That's our date night class. Oh, okay. So actually it'll be a class. People make the food and then sit down and eat it. And um, those date night classes are pretty fun. They're different than our other classes. The other ones are, um, I would say, more educationally driven. So it's kind of an intense amount of content that we throw at you in a couple of hours. But the date night class is more like a cooking show. You come with your sweetheart. You watch us cook you clean a few tips this and that and we do a a few like for the date for the valentine's day class um we'll each couple will be rolling their own truffles that night for dessert and um you know dan and i throw threw around the idea of teaching people how to shuck oysters and then quickly decided our liability (laughs) didn't cover that (laughs) so we're gonna do something else but um yeah and and then I think what you saw is um, our farm dinners. And we had our first one in October. And that was a real milestone for myself um, because I just had this dream of creating a meal that wasn't about selling a product. It wasn't about um, publicizing anything. It was about like getting to know the local food shed and the local purveyors and everything down to the plates we ate off of was sourced in Sonoma County. Um, and so we had local wine, local, um, liqueur, all of the vegetables came from coyote farms, which is our next door neighbor. Um, chef Dan prepared all of the food. Um, we had all of the bread was prepared by a local mom in Petaluma. Um, all the ceramics were provided by Guinevere Maid, another local mom. And so it was just, I got goosebumps out there that Mm. night just looking around and realizing like, look what we can create. Uh, Like Sonoma County is so full of bounty. So Lacey Sandoval, how often do you do these classes? Are you doing these every day or night? No, Um, we're doing, we just started doing them again after um, Kaden was born. We took a couple couple months off. (laughs) Um, And that would be in the last three months. Right. Yes. So um, we're we're back. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And we started off the new year. We, I tried to get everything listed so people could gift classes as um, holiday gifts this year. So yeah, which worked out great. Um, and uh, we do like one a week, usually, maybe more, maybe less, um, depending on, you know, what everybody's schedule is. And um, and then the dinners we're hoping to do quarterly on the um, well, on the solstice and equinoxes. Oh, so, nice. yeah. And is nice. that limited to 10 people as well? No, we do. Um, we well, we did 45 for wow. um, for our first one. So nice. that will, but that caps it out. We have a big um, patio in front of the kitchen and we were squeezed in there. Uh-huh. So I think that'll max <laughs> us out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, your husband has a unique job. And I, when I originally reached out to you, I kind of, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I included him in the header. Um, and I was, I was kind of wishing that he would come along because I love glass blowing. Living in Hawaii, we had a great place up country in Makawao on Maui. Uh-huh. And I would always get things made. I have little sconces made and all these things. I think it's one of the most incredible crafts ever. Um, and, and then I saw that on your website that if you sold a wedding cake that he would design a stand for it. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It, it's actually, we don't, it doesn't happen very often, um, that p- someone will order both. Right. Oh, Kai has something to say about <laughs> <Hello>. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I met Travis, um, at art school. He actually had been working, um, in the glass industry for about 10 years before he went to uh-huh. school. And then, um, 
realized that like as a long-term career um, option he wanted to get his degree so that if he needed to he could teach or um, you know just have some sort of accreditation yeah Yeah. Um, but he is an incredible glassblower he um, makes I like to think for me (laughs) very (laughs) functional um, uh, kitchen inspired glass oh wonderful yeah so he makes cake stands and um, glasses and bowls and vases and things like that. Wow. Uh, so you have an amazing, if we opened up your cupboards at home, you've got some cool stuff in there. I do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I do. <laughs> and it's almost, it's all, um, a lot of it is on display in the wind and rye kitchen as well. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. So where is it really located? I haven't got it physically geographically in my mind. Well, um, in the short term, it's right behind my house. <laughs> in the okay. bigger picture, it's um, outside of Pengrove. Our address is actually Pengrove, but it's outside of Pengrove, and it's closer to Sonoma State. It's right at the base of the Son- of Sonoma Mountain in this cool little pocket off of Roberts Road. Hmm. Yeah, if you, yeah it's, actually, it's a weird area right there that, that if, like, I'm in the M section and I'm. I think we're considered What's Runner an Park. What's section? In Runner Park, <laughs> is everything it A through Z. Yeah, they, it is. Yes, it is. In stages it was yeah. built. And oh, so all the street names, you know, it's Matisse, but Montero. You don't know this unless you live in the area. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. You don't but know if, where the sections are. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, when I moved there, I moved from literally like two streets over, and I think I was listed as Pengrove. And right. then if you go two streets down, you'll be in Katati. So it just, it's a weird little area so where it depends. So are you in what, that area? No. Um, he is like in Rohnert Park, Katati proper. Yeah. And we're more like, I mean, I'm saying rural, um, <laughs> but it's, it's out like, it would probably be a 10 minute drive from his So where house. are you from Bud's Meats? Oh, um, so Bud's Meats is on Petaluma Hill Road and you'll just keep driving till the next stoplight at Roberts Road and turn there and head up the head up the mountain. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a very localized totally. thing that people It's a good landmark. Right. Right. Yes. But <laughs> yeah. And, and Bud's Meats is a good place to stop too. And how did you, sure. how did you end up moving there? <laughs> we um, were living in Oakland and... Um, decided that we wanted to start a family and I couldn't wrap my head around raising a child in Oakland. I just didn't know what that looked like. You know, I grew up in a super small town in South Dakota. And so, um, you know, the choices were, do we move back to South Dakota, which my husband was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) Um, (laughs) or do we try and find a place that's around here? So we started looking in Petaluma. We actually looked for three years before we found this home. Um, it's one of those stories where like all the planets aligned and we got this house. It was, um, it, it, you know, X, Y, and Z things happened, but it, we lucked out and no it's so special. No wonder you were worried about the fire. I get it now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is his studio there as well at your home? You know, right now he just kind of works out of some other people's studios. He, we had a studio in San Francisco for a number of years. And then when we moved up here right after my first son was born, we closed down that studio. Um, and so now he, um, he works out of a few other studios and does, um, projects for other designers. He'll blow glass for, you know, make their work and things like that. Is there still a big glass blowing community in Benicia? Um, there is. It's a little. It's more, um, more of like a sculptural glass community, I would say, uh-huh. down there than a. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I just went to Benicia. I love Benicia. Oh my God! I just had dinner at um, Bulls Tavern. 
Yes. It blew me away. Seriously. Did you go for a sunset? Were you sitting outside? No, I didn't even know. I mean, I'm like, I went with John and Claudia and literally um, I had heard them mention it like a time before. And I'm like, I really want to go. And John's like, let's go. a funny little tea room there, too. Oh, my goodness. I was like, it was a throwback. The whole street. Yeah. Yeah. It's Have so fun either? finding those little pockets. Neat little antique stores, too. Oh, I know very I know. well. And they were open at night. I didn't go in, though. It was... Uh... Yeah, I went to a wedding that was there. And really? I, we, as we were driving there, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I've ever driven through here right. before. Right, yeah. <laughs> Why it's would wild. you? Yeah. 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 Benicia was a competitor to Sonoma to be an early capital of California. Seriously. What? Yeah, actually... Yeah. Was it? Did it happen, though? Yeah, and I mean, it was named for some Vallejo's relative something yeah she was called benicia yeah mistress benicia um well honestly it was such a fine dinner and it's not that awesome that i like get up from a restaurant anymore and go oh my god i love that yeah like europe it's easy to do that because you're in just a different place everything you know, is lovely, even if it's terrible. But I was like, really, it was amazing. Yeah, I have to say, I'm sorry it's so far away. Yeah. yeah. Well, sorry I took us all the way to Benicia about yeah, blowing no. glass, but. <laughs> yeah, no, um, and that that's, it's just so interesting, you know, so your art is still in your life and functional is fabulous. Um, and I, God, every bride should have to buy one of those cake stands. I mean, I mean uh, in my mind, it was like the perfect wedding registry gift. Yes. Um, but um, I have to yeah. share if, it. If I yeah. may be crass, what do you do with it afterward? You put cakes on it. You have other or, cakes. Or, I mean, is it a sculpture in itself? They're in- very beautiful, so they look nice yeah. just sitting. I have a few on my counter, <laughs> even with nothing on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I mean... Maybe it makes more sense when you have an inclina- inclination to bake at home or, or something. Or just right. have it in the right. living room as an art piece. Yes, right. totally. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I can see it being um, passed down generations. Right. And that was like my a, dream, you know, yeah. this little like idea of that, like his cake stand would be the yeah. thing. I have cake stands from my grandmother. So, oh, I, you know, wow. that yeah. is like... Yeah, yeah. That's like the things that I had made um, from that glass blower in Maui are things that we still have in our house, and I imagine that Abby will have in her house um, right. because they're. I mean, they're they're works of art. It's it's not something that's just functional. It's a work of art. Um, can we talk a little bit about County Line? Um, oh yeah, your products. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have to put a disclaimer that um, we quickly. Um, County Line outgrew us pretty quickly. Uh, so we don't work with County Line right now or okay. in the last year or so. But that was um, kind of the impetus behind um, this whole project was um, they came to us wanting to add, um, create some sort of added value product um, with tomatoes that weren't cosmetically appealing, I'll say. Um, and they... so. Um, again, Chef Daniel Keaton and I went to visit them. Um, they have a farm. They have two farm locations, but one of them is just right outside of Petaluma towards Nevada. Um, this beautiful, beautiful piece of land in the valley down there. Um, and they were producing tomatoes and had some that just didn't look right. And they knew that they weren't going to sell them um, at the markets, even though they tasted delicious. Amazing. And, you know, the same amount of effort goes into growing those tomatoes as any other um 
perfect tomato. Um, and so they didn't want to lose those products or um, let it go to waste. So we came up with um, a series of different things. We did um, tomato jam, tomato, like a pasta sauce and a Bloody Mary mix, mm. um, all things that we could can. And we had this meeting in a yurt on their land and um, Stan and I looked at them and they're like, okay, well, when, when would you like us to get started? And he's like, okay, well, I have 500 pounds of um, ugly tomatoes for you outside right now. And Dan and I just looked at each other like, wow. oh my God, what did we just get ourselves into? Wow. Um, but it was so fun. We kind of, Dan's restaurant, We uh, this was before the kitchen was built. Um, we shut down his restaurant for two days a week and just were processing tomatoes like crazy. Um, in the first month, we made something like 4,000 jars of um, product for them wow. to sell at the markets or to give away to their... Um, so where did you do all of that? In Dan's restaurant um, backyard in Forestville. So did, did you literally close the restaurant? In other words, it was normally open seven days a week, but you said we're going to be closed on like Sundays and Mondays because we have this project? Um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good friend. Yeah. 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 Um, Sandra, I'm going to close the girl in the fig Tuesdays and Wednesdays because I got this new project. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing, though. I mean, how, how big heart. Yeah. um, You know, Dan is a very unique person, and um, you won't find many like him. He cares about the things that are really important in life and, um, and, you know, provide preserving food and maintaining our ecosystem and doing what's right for the environment are number one on his list. Um, so it's funny because mm. I, I don't know that he and I really anticipated this, but we end up a little bit on a soapbox at every one of our classes talking about how it's our job as consumers, especially mm. in Sonoma County to, um, you know, support the agriculture. That's not only like, sustainable but rejuvenative and Mm -hmm. like buying from purveyors that are are doing their part and you know there's really no excuse in Sonoma County not to we are surrounded by people who are so knowledgeable and and committed and committed and they just care so deeply about what is happening around us so um anyway yeah that's where that project started with County Line it uh it it was too big of a show for Dan and I mm. to to do every year, but they also um, realized quickly that they needed to have like a large scale facility right. so that they could. Um, Are they working with Preserve, Marilee? Um, I don't know for sure who okay. they're working with now. They um, were hoping to get so that they could sell their product like with Good Eggs um, oh, and, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I was listening to you guys. Um, your fancy food shows um, (laughs) podcast. And I was just thinking exactly like so many of those purveyors got their start from things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really neat. I mean, even you start as a cottage industry and then you grow on. And I mean, 10 years ago you couldn't have a cottage industry. If you did, you were like underground. And now with the law that they just passed last year, it's like, yeah, you can do your thing, which is, fantastic how it should be it really is dude i'm just thinking about supermarkets like i mean we live over by oliver's with all the fruit what are they i know oliver's needs to be sponsoring the show oh but um um, i tell everyone in my classes that i am a spokesperson for oliver's every single time people (laughs) ask me he mentions every class i'm like they're like oh where do you get this i'm like oliver's oliver's (laughs) oliver's you could get that at oliver's you could get that at oliver's well you know a lot of people here in sonoma wish that oliver's had bought sonoma market Uh, oh, that would have been yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I heard a rumor 
somewhere that they're maybe opening one in Petaluma, which Ooh, would be like on the other closer side of to us. us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But what do they do with all of the the produce when it starts to turn? And are they giving it to food banks, or do you think uh, they're? It's a good question, and unfortunately, a lot of large supermarkets are um, forbidden from doing things right, like that yeah. because right. of liability issues. And it's like it. Um, it's it's really hard to even comprehend um yeah. and it's i think something that happens a lot in america where we have these good intentions with our laws and then they when they manifest themselves it turns into kind of the opposite of right. what we wanted right. them to be right. um like we don't want supermarkets handing out rotten food because we don't want anyone to get sick but because we don't want them to sue us. Right. Right. Yeah. But we, we actually have a system here in Sonoma where some of those stores have an arrangement with Meals on Wheels, our local Meals on Wheels, not the mm -hmm. county. And they have some volunteers' regular job is to pick up that and bread huh. as well. Yeah. Well, there's also this incredible um, organization that uh, a woman, Haley Seed, that I worked with at Taste, um, she works for Copia which is this company that was um, created by a very young um, tech entrepreneur woman. And they go around to places like Starbucks or Oliver's or anywhere. And they say, hey, do you have a prepackaged salad that is expiring in two hours? Do you mm -hmm. have X, Y, and Z? And they have created this user interface. where So it's so easy for these companies. You sign up. And they download the software for you. You have one manager who every day just says, okay, we've got 10 prepackaged salads, two yogurt cups, and five bunches of bananas that we can't sell tomorrow. Copia comes and gets it from you. They also have user interfaces with um, different like soup kitchens missions. or um, yeah, different missions, different places like that. And they go and drop it off for you. But this wow. is not Copia in Napa. Correct. Different. Right. Yeah. yeah. I actually think it might be go Copia or uh, anyway, um, it's spelled the same. So it is mm -hmm. slightly confusing, but they, during the fires, um, Haley reached out to me right away. Cause she saw, I just posted on Instagram. I said, Hey, um, food, the shelters can't accept food. That's baked at home. They just can't. Right. Again, same similar right. laws. They have these, this food has to come from a commercial kitchen. Dan at Backyard has a commercial kitchen and he's using it for this. So drop off the what, stuff. Exactly. What you can do is drop off stuff and we can prepare it. She contacted me right away. They sent up truckloads of dairy from Berkeley Bowl that was about ready to expire. Mm -hmm. I mean, literal truckloads wow. of thousands of pounds and dollars worth oh of dairy that um and different other things too and they helped a little bit with facilitating delivery so anyway an incredible organization that's doing yeah, similar very, things yeah, on that's cool and you know what they figured out is that the need is really for the infrastructure to get it from one place to another. Right. So many right. people are loving and giving and want to give it, but they just don't have time. I mean, as right. a restaurant, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have yeah. time to pay another person to figure out where your food scraps no. are going to go. You just no. don't. It's, right. I mean, you're trying to just survive. Exactly. So if they can provide, make it easy for you, where all you have to do is your prep cook that's taking inventory of the walk-in at the end of the night can click three buttons yeah. and say, come yeah. and pick it up. You yeah. know, it's incredible. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and that's why I was, I was thinking Oliver's because it's employee owned. Mm -hmm. They actually have the real ability, I would think, to start a program where they're 
they could make Oliver's, they're already doing their own wine. They could do an Oliver's jams and jellies or fruit yeah. roll-ups or, I mean, na you name it. You know, and they do little um, small-scale things like that. Like, for instance, they have um, cut up watermelon or peeled garlic right. on That's their shelves. Where all that yeah. stuff comes from. It, totally. It's the, it's the watermelon yeah. that looked a little bruised. They right. go to the back, the they cut it up, they yeah. put That's, it in a container, yeah. and, they, and it's so smart. It's I buy that. All the time. I buy the papaya yeah. at Sonoma Market as well. Well, then they'd even like, have like mirepoix. And <laughs> yes, I mean, they have yeah. like a, a veggie saute and, I mean, mix. Yeah. And that's that's relatively new. Right. I mean, we mm -hmm. can't say they did that 10 years ago. No, I definitely mean, And not. I think it was like very, it's like, yeah, you got to stop the wastage. And commercially, it's another way to make money. And it's totally. kind of interesting that while it's, it's preventing wastage. It's also in a container and costs more. Right. And right. It's more by the pound. Somebody <laughs> had to do the labor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It is a little backwards. Well, I've recently been reading about these zero waste grocery stores opening up in Europe, and I'm just like drooling over them where you have a subscription and you bring in your glass jars and they fill them up with one pound of lentils and, you know, everything. There's no packaging. Wow. They buy yeah. things in bulk. Where is that? Where do you notice that? Is that like Copenhagen? Or? Um. I want to say there was one in France. I think there is. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but and it's right next to the, the lady selling live chickens. Right. Exactly. Really? Where? <laughs> Take your chicken and then oh. get your in, lentils filled in, up. Uh, I think it's Cossade. <laughs> and, oh. and yeah, I mean, the lady with the chickens, somebody, a customer will come along and point at the ones she wants. Oh, no. And this lady so will end up with four of them in her hand behind, around the neck and put them in a box and hand them to the lady. Wait now, wait a minute. What you seem distressed <laughs> by that, but I honestly, know, this is what happens, right? And yeah. our kids are learning that their chicken comes on a piece of styrofoam with plastic wrap. But what you're describing <laughs> is actually what real happens, life. yes, right? Someone has <laughs> yeah. to take those feathers off, and someone has to cut that chicken up, and someone and has to kill it. Somebody needs to kill it first, right? right. Yeah. Hopefully, right. hopefully first. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation my husband and I have quite frequently. Like. Um, it's so important to me that my boys know how how animals are raised and where they come from. And the same thing, like, it's important to me that they know how to sew and they know how to use their hands and cut wood and all of these things. And, like, mm. that's what I grew up with it, back and that's home. That's the benefit of being from South Dakota. Totally. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I'm so and proud to be skills, from there. I, I think people should be getting more and more of those skills right now as the world is changing, as climate is changing. And I think they could need them. Totally, you know, 100%. They could need them. You know, I joke about it a little bit with my friends, but it's like, who's, who's going to be invited to your compound <laughs> you right. know like you right. gotta have a right. skill you need yeah. to know what to do like, exactly and i totally value the tech world and everything that they have brought us but at the same time it's like you need to know how yes. to exist if that doesn't if, if right how to start a fire yes how to, yeah. yeah and that's my i mean my dad is you know a mountain man to the nice. extreme and so i grew up with I grew up hunting and I grew up fishing and it was my responsibility to skin the deer and to wow. you know fillet a fish and all of that stuff and it's so wow. so important. You're hardcore. <laughs> I know. You really so are. were you were you using a bow and arrow or you using shot? What were you, a rifle or? Uh, I had a rifle and a shotgun. Yeah. I did bow, but I w I never was uh, you know as 
good at it. But my dad actually, you know, just this last year, um, he is also was a wetland biologist. And so he knows the importance of of a hunting season. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that if we want to exist in lands that animals have habitated before us then it's our duty to maintain those populations um so they don't die of other illness or or spread disease and um and so you know i understand from animal rights activists that it's hard to wrap your head around like the value of hunting and fishing um and it should be done properly and it should be done humanely but it's necessary for us um So you were actually, you learned that skill. You skinned a deer and cut it up and you guys put it in your freezer and then would cook it throughout the year? Oh, yes. I had never purchased meat from a store until I came to college. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. I was just listening to um, podcast this week, The Daily Meal, BBC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. I love it. And I, it was a show on butchering and just really about different butchers and, you know, what they like about it, what they don't, but talk to someone in Nigeria and talk to someone in England. And it was fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's not what I learned in suburbia. Right. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I just did not. I once interviewed Meredith Brokaw on KSVY oh. here. She was actually in the studio, Tom Brokaw's wife. And in, uh, is it Montana? Or big, where's Big Sky? Is Big Sky, Montana? Montana. Yeah, Montana. Yeah. Um, they have a herd of 100 buffalo that they keep just to save the the breed. And they were in a problem where they had to thin the herd. Mm-hmm. And the state and the feds were fighting them on it. And it was it was actually a, an incoming crisis. That if they, because if they're too many and they... Right. You know, it just, they can't exist. Well, and that's the trouble. I mean, I feel like decades ago, everyone was, um, hunting and fishing was such a reality for the everyday person that they understood the ins and outs of things like that. Um, and so there weren't, I mean, everyone understood that, that, that those were things that need to happen. And, and now there's a gap of information. People don't make the connections and they don't know. Um, so it was funny. My dad actually was out here from South Dakota during our sausage making class. And he's always made all of his own sausages (laughs) and all of his own jerky. (laughs) And so Dan, who taught that class, who is a phenomenal butcher and phenomenal, um, charcuterie maker Mm. was so nervous teaching in front of my father. Um, and, but then we had a number of people from, especially from West County Sonoma, who were like, are you going to teach a wild game cooking yeah. class? Because we would love to teach, take that. So yeah. that's um, hopefully on the on oh, the books great. for this fall. We'll be doing Is this with game. your father as the instructor? Oh my gosh, I would love that. If <laughs> yeah. I could get yeah. him to come and do a residency oh, out here for that. a couple and months. A sausage yeah. making class? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. I um, My friend Joan is making jerky and... Um, She's like, oh, I just want you to taste this jerky I'm making. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, I need to order some. I'm like, I want $50 worth of jerky. <laughs> is this Joni Boots that yes, we're talking about? Yes. And what what yeah, animal? What kind of animal Joan. is she making? She's using some kind of beef. Okay. Yeah, I think she's just starting to experiment and cottage industry. And it is delicious. Remember, I brought you some from... Um, you brought me it from... Uh, from what's his name on yeah. Angelo? Angelo's. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love the his one in, jerky too. The one in 
Yeah, I think his oh, I should have brought you guys some of my dad. He made uh, venison jerky, and it's uh, so delicious. Oh, I just, wow. And I wasn't that thirsty. Usually, like, some jerky right. like, you're just so thirsty. Just like a salt thirsty. block. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's not using It's delicious. Great. Yeah, so fun. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, well, know. you know, I coordinate all the public school gardens here, and I thought I was doing such a big thing, and the way you're talking on the scale of right. life, you and I never knew, Sandra. Yeah. Yeah, Huge. I mean, I grew up in Berkeley. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. and hearing you tell the story about the chicken, the woman selling chickens, yeah. that was my grandma. She, but yeah. you know, she butchered the chickens right. for, at our farm, and so I remember so vividly, like growing up and watching her do it. And it's just yeah. part. I mean, if you're gonna eat meat, yeah, that's pretty that's where cool. you get it. Got to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, growing up in Petaluma, we I lived in uh, the east side of Petaluma, kind of by Casa Grande, but my cousins lived out on Pepper Road. Um, off, on, actually on Pepper Lane, off of Pepper Road, off of Stony Point, is and that so across the, from Salt Road. No, <laughs> <laughs> this is out by the Liberty a School. Joke there. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but they they did that. They um they we would kill the chickens and we would kill the pigs and we'd kill the cows and I was we were always a little bit scared. I remember my uncle would just take the gun out to shoot the pigs and we would all hide behind the truck. And, and then the, the cows, he would just walk out in the middle of a field with a sledgehammer and would just boom, drop the cow. And then, you know, he had the the whole hook thing on the barn and would string it up in all the blood. And, um, and then we got half or a third or whatever of the animal and we would, we had to buy a freezer to put in our garage so that we could store the meat. So I got that, but my daughter has never had that. And I want to take her someplace to where she can see that because it's, I don't think it's about scaring her. It's weird. I found myself in a position yesterday. So we're at a Super Bowl party and there's a, you know, a thousand chicken wings and she's where's the rest of the we, chicken we had a hundred yeah. something chicken wings there, right. and we actually with the amount of people we all decided that we all needed to eat something like nine wings a piece to get rid of all these wings because we <laughs> thought we had too many <laughs> but she's eating one and she's in the middle of it and she says daddy um what is this little blue part in the chicken and i and i knew if i said oh that's like that's like a vein and that probably was blood she would set it down and she wouldn't want to eat it but i you want to tell them the What'd truth you tell her? Uh, I don't even remember what I told her. I kind of Made tried to brush it off, you know, like, oh, it's, f-. I think I just said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Like you can eat that. But I wanted to be honest with her, but I didn't have any frame of reference to, to tell her because I think she's still one of those kids that just doesn't quite connect the dots between right. an animal and, and, and the food that yes, she's eating. Yes, my granddaughter has become a vegetarian for all of those reasons. Yeah. And I have to edit what I said about Berkeley. <laughs> my, grand, my grandfather actually had chickens in the backyard in Berkeley. Probably illegally. Right. What? Yeah, His name was McKellen. Well, well, cities don't allow like live animals. Yeah. Like, well, it's because of the cities. noise. I've, yeah. I mean, I've had neighbors that have had chickens and roosters, and I don't want to. I'm getting home at one o'clock in the morning. Don't I don't want to be up at five or six. <laughs> and in and the then morning. I have one more edit. I actually raised rabbits in the in our backyard. Okay. <laughs> Started with a Girl Scout badge project uh-huh. and it grew and grew as rabbits do right and Imagine um <laughs> and my father they used to disappear sure which meant <laughs> right that my father took them to the poultry shop and then there'd be money under my pillow ah oh <laughs> the bunny, yeah. bunny fairy <laughs> and speaking of benicia uh-huh. uh, one day i was in an antique store there and i was looking up at this old calendar and the owner came along and he said 
why does that interest you? And I said, that's the poultry shop in Berkeley where my father used to take my rabbits. Oh. <laughs> and he took it down and gave it to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's a pretty good story. It is. But people have a funny relationship with rabbits. I mean, I remember you a few times I have done rabbit on rabbit the, on the plot du jour, oh, I think. It's my and favorite. I remember love, there was... It's expensive. Rabbit's well, and you get phone so calls. So much labor. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. much labor. But you yeah, get we you, would get you would calls, get some calls to the restaurant people, and say yeah, you're are you really serving rabbit? rabbit. Yeah. 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 I think I ate my last trip to France, I think I had rabbit four or five times. Wow. Oh boy. Because I could it's so it, delicious. It's I've there. always had trouble after yeah. my rabbits in Berkeley. Yeah, I didn't have a pet rabbit. <laughs> you know, I this actually came up in class because we taught a vegan class last spring, um, during when it was like the height of veggie season around here and um and I joked because I told the story that when I left South Dakota to come for college, my dad didn't say, you know, like, don't do drugs, don't do this or that. He <laughs> said, if you come home vegetarian, you can't stay at my house. <laughs> and so I was never, you know, I always thought it was a joke. But I do. I mean, I understand where people come from with not wanting yeah. to eat meat or support that industry. However, I think if you are con like a responsible consumer and you re do your research, uh, you know, Open Field Farms in Petaluma is doing like incredible as um, animal husbandry and um, Stimple Creek Ranch and Freestone Ranch. All of them are I, I was just texting with my girlfriend because we get um, whole animal shares. We go through about what like a, cat, a steer a year in my family because we eat a lot of meat. Um, and so I, I need to place my next order and I was trying to decide where to order it from. And I, I explained in this class that my choice to continue eating meat comes from the realization with me that when I pass away, I would love for my organs to be used in some sort of beneficial way. Hmm. And if animals are raised humanely and have happy lives, then what better way to honor them and their life than by using their meat and what they have to offer to our planet to sustain livelihood for someone, you know? So when I cook a whole roasted chicken and then I use those bones to make healthy broth for my sons that get them through the cold season without getting sick you know it's like what that is like paying true homage to the life of this chicken right. Right. and everything that it did for us and that's so. what people need they need the education they need the gap you know yeah. to fill that gap because it just you know you go from this this is the food and this is we're going to eat it and then all your political or your feelings that come in between and people in suburbia don't hear those stories. They don't, you know, you just think about, I didn't know where my food came from. Right. I absolutely did not. And um, I think I love that story that you just said. I love the thought that it keeps going. And we need that for, yeah. we need Well, that. and, you know, speaking to your, the growing, the gardens and the schools and all of that, it's like that to me is Kids need just that. as important as teaching them to deal with technology. You know, it's right. like they, it's if that I love that people are teaching coding at a young age in schools. Right. That's so great. But if they're going to teach coding, they need to teach farming. Like right. it yeah. ha Absolutely. And, and see, in our, in our here in Sonoma Valley, um, a lot of our student population is from other countries. And, um, I, I had a wall street journal reporter with me one day in an unannounced, 
tour of the gardens, meaning the teachers didn't know we were coming, which is how I wanted it. Sure. And we showed up at, um, I think it was El Verano School, and we're out in the garden, and this little boy comes and looks up at the teacher and said, teacher, can I eat this? It was a green bean, and he'd never seen one before. Yeah. And that became her story title, that, you know, and um, I mean, teacher, can I eat this? Right. And it's really teaching young kids where food comes from, not from a carton or a styrofoam box or right. whatever. Yes. That, that I mean, it's just a little peg in that whole board. Yeah. 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 But every little bit helps, right? Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So fun, Brian. Good one. <laughs> yeah, so how yeah. do people find you and what you have to offer that people can sign up for? Well, we have a website. It's windenrike.com, and all of our classes are, lo- are listed there um, along with all of our events. I um, spend $0 on marketing <laughs> <laughs> um, because I don't really have it. And so, um, frankly, our, uh, our mailing list has grown from 30 to 750 in the wow. last year, all from word of mouth. That's and, incredible. Um, yeah, I'm, I am humbled by it every day. Um, the first couple of classes, it took a lot of hustle to get them filled, 10 people, and now we have waiting lists, and it's like so, it's so flattering, yeah. um, but I think it really speaks to the values that people in Sonoma County have, and that they want to learn, and they want to know about these things, and, and support each other, um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. It's fun to watch everybody. We have yeah. um, what I like to call frequent flyers now, people who have come <laughs> to more than one class. I mm-hmm. just love it. Um, we actually had our first two um, students from Sonoma, proper come to our fried chicken class and it was these two lovely ladies they were so fun um we probably know them i actually i think (laughs) you do um but anyway it was it was a real eye-opener to me i was like oh why don't we have more people from sonoma in these classes it seems maybe for whatever reason like a long drive but really i can get to sonoma maybe we haven't heard about them right psychologically but what a drive though i can tell you that so i'm working in boys hot springs so during the day i take um Crane Canyon over and drive through Bennett Valley, Warren Springs. That's how I, mean, I would go. That's my commute. I don't do it at night because cell phone coverage can get a little spotty yes. in those areas. And so if you ever got like a flat tire or something, yes. I might be hiking home. <laughs> um, Forever. Yeah. But I mean, my dad used to go on 101 back and forth to the city. And I, I, I've literally um, taken pictures of my drive to work and sent to him and said, I can't believe this is my commute. Yes. Um, well, even if you go the more conventional way, Still back roads, yeah. which I do occasionally teaching sometimes at Sonoma State. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm passing horses and cows and yeah. sheep that are grazing on the and grass. Nothing and nothing except beautiful yeah. grass. Yeah. I know. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. We live in a beautiful area. Yeah. yeah. Have a little pinch yeah. me moment under yeah. a driveway. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to get my daughter in... Um, in um, one of the classes, or my wife and I actually, oh, that would be kind of go. like a fun We're little date do. night. Yeah, me too. Yeah. De Mayo date night, which date is really, really fun. Okay. It's yeah. like tequila cocktails Ooh. and some salsa. Um, now, what about <laughs> gluten? Baby That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> so my wife is celiac, so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's if do you have a lot of people that show up and say, oh, I don't eat bread because I'm gluten free. Well, or every evening class, no matter what the curriculum, we ha- uh, we provide a meal and wine. 
Um, and wait, um, did you just say and wine? Um, yes. Okay. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just kind of like play wine roulette um, and find something that any um, any purveyor in Sonoma County that is doing either sustainable or um, like non pesticide. I don't I don't require it to be organic because that's like a hard. Thing. It's expensive. Yes, um, but a lot of wineries are doing are growing organically, even if they're not certified. So anyway, right. um, we prov- we you know kind of just tried something different every single glass, and yeah. people you know say I liked this or I didn't like this or whatever. Um, but yes, I have a disclaimer on the bottom of the classes that say if you have um, any sort of allergy, let us know beforehand, and we'll do our best to accommodate. We okay. we, yeah. al- we always do. So I just posted, um, we do a lot of pop-ups at our pop-up space, Sweet D, and I just um, posted our, our road trip for New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for Mardi Gras. And it is jambalaya and gumbo shooters. And I'm like, I, I kind of feel like I have to put a disclaimer that says, if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, tonight's not your class. Oh, sure. Because yeah. people Just will like the charcuterie absolutely. classes exactly. aren't for people. Yeah. Right. That's okay. People right. are going to book. They're going to book and then they're going to say, oh, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, well, this is not the right, <laughs> right. class. Nope. Right. Wait for another and one. Yeah, we're not making two And I don't think you need to apologize yeah. about that. That's it just oh, is. That yeah. There are yeah. thousands of other places they can eat exactly. that one night. That's okay. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, I, I am going to We're not making... I, and I, let me just mention that one Thanksgiving, my mom was vegetarian at the time, and we did have a, what well, they called it, a tofurkey. Yes. And it was it was shaped like a turkey, oh, no. but it was no. made out yeah. of tofu. I have no. such a hard time. <laughs> like, even like nut cheeses, I'm like, why are you calling it a cheese? It's, it's not. not a cheese. Oh, my gosh. It's a nut. Thank yeah. you. You are preaching yeah. to the choir right here. Yeah. As people ask me for gluten-free desserts all the time, and I'm like, okay, well... You're not going to get your grandma's favorite cake made in gluten-free version. It's not going to taste the no. same, so you have to change your expectations. There are delicious desserts that don't have gluten in them. However, right. don't try and change the things that you love with yeah. gluten to be non... Yeah, you know, yeah I, it's just impossible. It's just not the same. No. So, you know, like to that note, we have a pasta class this week, and it's, you know, if you have a gluten intolerance, maybe right. not for you. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we serve a fromage... Um, on our tasting menu when people don't do dairy. And what would that be? It's this soy base. Yeah, it's fromage instead of fromage. And it is the most disgusting stuff. I've tried in my life. I mean, 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 there there are are things that are good, but it's it's not cheese, right? It's like a nut paste. So do people who order it act like they like it? Um, or they don't act at all. <laughs> you know, luckily, it's not too many people that are, you know, we get mostly celiac gluten stuff, not, you know, different, aller- not a lot of dairy, non-dairy people. But when they do order, they're just happy that they're sort of included in the whole process because yeah. right. that's one of the final courses. And so it's, you know, they're just happy that they, they don't, don't have to sit there. Twiddling they don't have to sit hands. there watching other people right. eat. Yeah. So it just allows it. So I think they enjoy it in that way. But as far as culinary taste um experience i don't think it's the most wonderful thing yeah well Lacey, thank you so much for coming on today and i know um thank you for bringing your son yes those of you that have wondered what that sound is um that's caden on his first um first podcast yes if you come to (laughs) a class you'll get to he makes cameo appearances on my (laughs) rides around in the ring sling all class long so yeah (laughs) Yeah. all right so uh if you want to get in touch with Lacey, if you're living in the area and would like to um go visit her 
Um, or you're, if you're traveling. outside of the area traveling and you would, um, I would recommend booking something in advance um, to come um, take one of the classes would be nice. And or if you're getting married and you need a wedding cake. Yes. Oh, let's cake. not forget that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll share that wedding cake service with you. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. yes. I'll, I'll choose the other side of the valley. Yeah, no, we can share. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking, yeah, if you're coming here and, yeah. and looking to get a wedding getting cake as wedding well, cake. and I would recommend getting one of the stands because I think it's, yeah, but you I can see so for too. yourself when you go to the Great. website, you'll see why. Yeah, um, beautiful. And Kathleen, thanks for joining us yes, today. Really nice pleasure. having you on. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. I had a lot of fun. It's yeah. yeah, it was a great day. Yeah. And um, anyone that wants to follow us on Instagram, you can follow uh, Sandra and I at Bite Talk. Uh, you can go to our website, thebikegoeson.com. And also, you can just go to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and download sh the uh, shows there. And we will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm.